Welcome to the Gods of Tomorrow podcast, where we discuss religious deconstruction, secular humanism, political activism, and epistemology. Together, we explore how to solve human problems with human solutions. We deconstruct, we activate, and then most importantly, we live our fucking lives. I am your host, Josh Ra, and you are the gods of tomorrow. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's do this shit. Welcome back, everybody. This is Josh Ra. You can call me Josh, and we are on episode seven. We have a guest today, but before I introduce her, I just want to remind you that you can give a man a fish and he can eat for a day, or you can give him a religion and he can pray for fish for the rest of his life and eventually die. No, I'm just kidding. Excited to uh, jump into today's podcast. <laughs> uh, we are bringing on Vanessa Brooks. You guys may recognize her from TikTok, and I'm just excited to dive into all the conversational pieces that we have lined up for this chat. Vanessa, welcome. It is good to see you outside of the TikTok you, screen. <laughs> right. You're a real person. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So I, I, I know that we don't have a whole lot of time and we have so much to talk about. So if you would please just kind of step us into your journey and your story um, from being a pastor and now on the other side of trying to educate people about Christian history and, and bringing some of that to light. How, how did this happen? Yeah, so I, I really I really don't know how it happened. Honestly, I don't know how it happened. Other than I, what, I tell, what I tell people is this, the more I reflect on my journey, it has been happening since day one, to be mm -hmm. quite honest. Um, it's been it's been an unfolding journey from day one, but I was raised like most people. Uh, I was raised in the church, um, in the Baptist church. Uh, around the age of 25, I had my own personal come to Jesus experience. Uh, after that, I heard a calling. You couldn't tell me I want a calling. <laughs> I heard a calling to go into ministry. And after that, I heard another calling to go into uh, pastoral ministry, which for me, that meant to start a church from the ground up myself, which mm -hmm. in, in my religion, being Pentecostal, holiness, apostolic ministry, we call that the, the work of an apostle. Um, so I took on the the badge of apostle as well. Mm -hmm. um, very, very, very dogmatic. I was uh, very headstrong about my beliefs. I was a Jesus freak seven days a week. Um, uh, so I, you four years ago, five years ago, you, you could have never told me I would be where I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, but in 2017, I enrolled in grad school because I had a dream like Martin Luther King, that I was going to get my master's degree to become this uh, licensed counselor and that I was going to provide services to the church. Primarily, I wanted to help other pastors. That is uh, was, Yeah, I wanted because we, mm -hmm. we needed the, the help. We were people were burned out. We were all stressing out anyway. Uh, but that program and I went to a Christian university, which is really ironic. But it was through this Christian university and going through this Christian program that I actually ended up leaving Christianity um, because the program opened me up to other religions, which as a, as a blind faith Christian girl, I never considered any other religions. Mm -hmm. They were all wrong. Mine was the right one. And I was forced to look at other religions and it hit me that, wow. So people around the world are experiencing their version of God and they're having great results. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing was a lot of those people were having better results than I was. And that, that sparked curiosity for me. And the rest is history. <laughs> you said something really interesting in that. And I see this discourse take place on social media pretty often about how individuals that have left the faith or left the church never were really in it. They didn't really believe. They weren't really saved. And you use this language that you felt a calling multiple times. Like you were in it. You were fanatical. You, you were um, at the tip of that peak of being dogmatic with nowhere else to go except for one direction. How do you respond to individuals that have that, like, or that say that? After I want to hit them, you mean? Yeah. Uh, 
you know, sometimes I really wish I could take people back into the future with me, <laughs> if that makes sense, and show them my life. Um, and it hurts, to be honest. I got to be really honest. It hurts. I'm not, mm -hmm. I haven't been out of this long enough for it to not hurt. It still hurts like hell when people say that because I wasn't just a Christian. I, I need you to hear me really clearly. And when I say you, I mean the people that are listening. Mm -hmm. My entire worldview was shaped around my beliefs, how I raised my children, how I interacted with my husband, how I behaved in the workplace, uh, whether I could go see a movie or not. All, my entire life was, let me see what the word of God says before I do a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I live, breathe, and eat the gospel teachings of Jesus Christ. As you can see, which they can't see, but you can see, I haven't even taken this picture down yet. Mm -hmm. It's still a bunch of scriptures about Jesus Christ because I love the framework and I ain't ready to take, take it out just yet. <laughs> yeah, but what, um, what, what you're saying though resonates because I, I was in a similar boat. I only listened to Christian radio. I only listened to Christian absolutely. lectures. I did not turn on a television show unless it was something that was going to support uh, the ideology and the beliefs and the, the energy of Jesus. Um, I prayed multiple times. I was in the church multiple times a week. I was yes. at a position where I was hearing God's voice. I was seeing, yes. I was seeing Jesus's feet at my, in front of me when I was praying, I was having visions. Yes. I was having dreams. I was so fully connected and filled with the Holy spirit. I could never imagine going any other direction, but toward God. Absolutely. So Absolutely. how do you now reconcile that with a similar experience of saying it wasn't God or it wasn't the Christian God? Dr. Bruce Lipton. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Bruce? Well, She's coming for you. No, I'm just Dr. Bruce Lipton. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I Back in 2018, I, I signed up for, even before Dr. Bruce Lipton, I got to be honest, I signed up for a neuroscience life coaching program with a black neuroscientist, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll mention her race while I said that in, in, in a few minutes. Well, again, I was in a I was in a, a a box, so my 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 worldview was just Jesus, Jesus. I never thought about our brain. I never gave it a second thought. Mm -hmm. So I took this course to strengthen my business as a life coach trainer, and we were talking, we were learning about the brain and how the brain is so that's God to me now that that it, it just works so accurately, and it's so powerful. And I began to understand. This is to answer your question. <clears throat> Whatever you believe is true uh, becomes a reality for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you give the energy of belief to a thing, whether people understand this or not, that is what will manifest as your own reality. So because I believed what I was reading so intently in the Bible, yes, Jesus absolutely manifested in my dreams Demons also manifested in my dreams, in my life, right? Um, because I gave belief to that. Mm -hmm. And I, I now understand, even the Bible tells you, whatever you believe in your heart, that is what you are. That is what you become. So I created these manifestations through my own belief. And I know some people may struggle to hear that, but that is my truth. And that is why all of these things happen. Listen, I saw signs and wonders and miracles all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. You couldn't tell me that that wasn't God or Jesus doing that. But the question that I want people to consider is this. What if, what I, what if I had done those same things and nobody had ever mentioned the word Jesus to me? Mm -hmm. Then what would I call it? You see, wherever, you, wherever you're raised, whatever environment you're brought up in, whatever you're taught, you're going to attribute your life experiences to that thing. So I've been hearing the word God and Jesus and church and the Bible all my life. So when something bad happens to my mama, it's the devil. That's what I heard. Mm -hmm. God rest her soul. When something good happens in our family or people around me, it was God. So the programming starts really early for most of us. Right? I, I, so I carried on that belief system. If it was good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Never in a million years did anybody ever tell me, or nor did I think that that power was inside of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not an option for my thought processes. 
I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that because I, I for myself know this is true. I've studied neurobiology for a really long time, neuroscience for a long time. It's part of the work that I've done in working with individuals in trauma and understanding how our environment and our experiences shape us. And so all that you're saying for me, I was like, I know this is true. I talk about this. And, and still, there's some folks that have a hard time, as you said, understanding that of how we really do manifest our own reality. And it generates things that we very much believe to be true. Uh, one of the things that it's funny because George Carlin used to talk about this, the comedian, you'd say, just put yourself to the test, go out and pray to Joe Pesci for a year and keep a record of how many of your prayers come true. And then go do the same thing with God and see if there's really a statistic difference in between the two. Um, some people aren't probably willing to do that, <laughs> but I will tell people. And see, I was. Yeah. And I did do that for mm -hmm. a whole year. Mm -hmm. um, I laid faith to the side. I closed my Bible. I stopped praying to Jesus for 18 months and I still don't pray um, just to see, I wanted to see what would happen to my life. Okay. Um, just as many <laughs> blessings and just as many, in fact, more, more my, blessings. Business my business revenue tripled. Um, my children, I got so much closer cause they never believed my children never mm -hmm. believed it. Even when I preached it to them, um, my relationships are more solidified than ever. I feel better. Mm -hmm. I, I'm healthier. I look younger. I mean, so you tell me. So I got two things for you. Uh, one is the rebuttal that you'll hear from those in the faith community is that, of course, things are better for you now because Satan already has you. And so, of course, mm -hmm. your life is going to be good. There's no temptation now. Your life's going to improve tenfold. But what does that Satan's say about there. God, though? But what does that mm -hmm. say about God? That's what I was going to say. Is how do you respond? Yeah. They tell me that all the time. That's because the devil is using you. Okay, if the devil is using me, then 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 we served a really weak God then. Because then then what that says to me as a critical thinker is a couple of things. One, then the devil has more power than God. And or two, God is not a just God then. Because if you could take a person like Vanessa R. Brooks, mm -hmm. who served the Lord with all of her mind, body, soul, strength, every fiber of my being. And if you could just abandon me now, if I'm if I'm deceived and if the devil is using me, where are you, God? And mm -hmm. this is what I said to God so many times on this journey. Mm -hmm. People just don't know the agony that I went through when this initially began to happen for me. I begged Jesus. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I pleaded with the Lord. If I'm wrong, you can't just leave me out here. I served you all my life. I served Jesus more than most of my accusers ever did. Yeah. So if that's the case, if that if that's their argument, then I need them to to explain to me how that makes God loving and how does that make God just if you would just abandon me during my time of of um, unbelief. I love the raw truth of what you're saying, because I know that I was at that spot. I was like, I was at the peak. Like if God knew I was at the peak and he didn't want me to fall off that peak or he knew I was going to fall off that peak, he should have taken me then when I was so deep in the sauce. That there was no exactly. chance I was going to be anywhere but in heaven with him. Because... Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. Th but then my, my second question for you is now that you are outside of the faith, you talked about seeing signs and symbols and, and things that lead you through life. Do you still see those? Do you still see things that now have different meaning to you that are signs and symbols that you follow through the course of life? Whether that's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. In fact, I would say I see things even the more... Because, you know, and I, and I talk about this on TikTok all the time. And I don't know if you noticed today, I did my TikTok on my balcony outside. It was beautiful. Because I go outside now and I cry. I'm about to cry now. Because we, we bought this house in 2008. And I never nurtured my yard. I mean, obviously we cut the grass or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I never paid attention to the beauty right in my backyard. I never noticed how... There's literally like a, I call it a Jack and the Beanstalk tree in my backyard where the vine is just literally wrapped around the tree growing all the way up to the sky. I never paid attention to the beautiful sound of the birds and, and that, they, that they're that they singing to me. I never even paid attention to the trees and the butterflies. And I have a rose bush, for God's sakes, behind my house. They just, it just, I don't know how it got there. I guess the neighbors before me, but I never paid attention to it. I never even took the time to pluck a rose off the tree. So, so yes, I'm actually more in tuned now that I have 
been um, awakened from the coma that religion had me in because I only could see God through the lens of the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's it. I, I never looked around me to see the beauty of anything else. I just looked at the Bible. So yes, I still see all kinds of symbology. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, there are some days I still can see symbology in the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not reading it through the lens that I once read it through. Um, so yeah, I'm actually more in tune to what I call that spiritual realm now than ever before. But it took me a while to get here, I gotta be honest, because I was so traumatized by the doctrines of Christianity. And I had to I had to heal that first. I couldn't do anything because I was so afraid and so fearful that my decisions were going to land me in, in hell that I couldn't even I couldn't even think about, you know, symbolism or spirituality because I was so afraid for my for my safety. And that's a great segue into where I wanted to go next is talking about that trauma because you do talk about healing trauma from religious doctrine again and again through your live presentations that you do and through the videos that you share and even through your own business <laughs> and work that you do. Yeah. Um, what what does that, I guess, mean to you? First, in terms of like, what does the trauma mean and healing from it? Because again, I hear that little voice of the Christians who are always in my comment section going, we have community and we have love and we give and we, we have all of these tenants of Christianity that are so giving and loving. What are you talking about trauma? There's nothing traumatizing about what our church does. The community only exists as long as you're a part of the community, which means it's really not community at all. I, I had community too until the day I left. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I became the antichrist. I became the devil. I became a witch. And let me tell you, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to bring race into it from a negative perspective, but I have to, because there's the trauma. While I know that every person who leaves Christianity probably experienced some level of trauma. But as a black woman in the South, as a black preacher in the Bible belt, there is a there's a there's a whole other layer to the trauma that I've experienced. So it's one thing to deal with the trauma of, okay, I no longer believe these doctrines anymore. So what is God gonna do to me? You know, the battle of all of that. That's one layer. But then you have to deal with the stigma of being a non-believing black person in the South because Christianity, beautiful, sweet, loving Christianity has a very dark past. The etymology of it and the origin of it is dark, especially when it comes to black people, especially when it comes to a black woman. So for me to step away from it, the, um, the attacks, the persecution, the slander, unfortunately, from the African-American community of Christians is horrible because it was given to us um, to silence us. It was given to us to keep fear in us, to incite fear in us. And so we're supposed to abide by it. We're supposed to give our lives to it. My mother, went to her grave believing in it. And so the uh, the level of mental agony that I have dealt with as a black woman leaving Christianity has been almost un- unbearable because it came through the portal of racism and slavery. And, and, and unfortunately black Christians, a lot of them have a very difficult time making that assessment. And, and, and confronting that truth. And I'll be but honest, you, as like a white male, we know nothing about what you're talking about. Like, like the, as so, a white so community, I, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, please so, educate so us more on it. <laughs> so when you, when you look at Christianity, how did it come? So I live in America. I live in the United States of America. So how and when did Christianity come here? It only came here through European colonization. Right. There was no Christianity on American soil before uh, the Europeans invaded this space. So the indigenous people, not just the natives, there were black people here too. Mm -hmm. The indigenous people had their own concept of spirituality and what God meant to them. 
the, the colonizers came, not only did they terrorize the natives who were already here, the indigenous people, but you know, as well as I know, they went into Africa and they captured black people in Africa, put them on a slave ship, one of which was, was called the Jesus boat, the Jesus ship. And they, they brought them here and they forced them to believe in this God who absolutely promoted slavery. Mm-hmm. So even the concept of church, the black church, the way that we have church, we got that from the slave masters. The slave masters ordained black slaves as preachers, told them what to preach and how to preach, and would sit in the back of the church to make sure that the slave preacher did it the way they were supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's where all the emotionalism comes from within black Christianity. The whole um, let's suffer here on the earth and then we'll just be satisfied to go to heaven one day. Let's just let's just pray and ask Jesus to do things for us because we had no concept as slaves that we had the ability or the power to do things on our own. Because remember, we were they taught my ancestors that they were not even humans. Right. They taught them that they were savages. And that they didn't even deserve God's love. So all of this is embedded in the DNA of me and my ancestors. So then at an unconscious level, because I was there too, at an unconscious level, we have no idea that we have the power to do certain things. Now, I have a lot of white friends and I love my white friends. But when I talk to them, Mm -hmm. their experience, even in the church, was different from mine. White people can go to church at 10 and at 1045, they get in the car. Um, white people, the ones that I've talked to and based on the research, and I'm in grad school working on a doctoral degree in mental health, um, which is forcing me to do even more you know, uh, scholarly type of research because my dissertation is gonna be on this very thing. Mm-hmm. Like how has Christianity affected the African-American mind? White people don't typically even have the same relationship with Jesus that me as the black person has. Mm-hmm. You all, and I'm saying you just in general, there is this kind of endearing, I love you, Lord. And yes, we believe in Jesus. And that's kind of it. With black people, it's like we rely on this invisible man to take care of us here while we're on the earth. And we also entrust our entire destiny and eternity into this, this individual's hands, whom we've never seen. We have no proof that he exists outside of what's in the Bible and a couple of historians who said, yeah, he existed. And so for me, be, before I got healed of Christianity, <laughs> before I recovered from it, I prayed about everything. Black people will tell you, pray about it, girl. Child, just pray about mm-hmm. it. We, that's how we talk. Okay. It, it, if, I needed, um, if I needed money for a bill, it wasn't, let me go see if I can get a part-time job. Let me pray first and see what Jesus got to say about it. You know, we, that's just, that's our mindset. All right. And so we have been brainwashed collectively at a DNA level to surrender to this, to this thought form, mm-hmm. to this egregore that we are nothing without God, that we're nothing without Jesus. And my persecution as a now non-believer comes primarily from the black church, primarily from the black church. This is like, this is such a horrifying and powerful testimony. And I, I just want to interrupt for a second, Vanessa, to sure. tell readers that, or listeners that what she's talking about here has a lot to do with historical trauma and epigenetics and how it gets into the DNA and can follow you for generations throughout your bloodline to have you be impacted by the same beliefs and emotions and even thoughts of your ancestors to have you act and behave and and feel in a certain way about particular topics. And there's tons of amazing research that's out there on this that folks want to look into it. But if those that are hearing her say things like it's in our DNA, this is scientifically backed information she's sharing with you. This is historical trauma. This is epigenetics. So please go look into it. I apologize, Vanessa. I just, I want to make sure people know where to go and find that because this isn't just like some theory that's thrown out there. This is something that impacts all humans at all levels. And what you're sharing with this testimony in terms of colonization and, and its ongoing progression into systemic oppression and racism um, for the black community and specifically the black churches, it, it's not only shocking, it's sickening. It's, 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 hor- it's horrific. 
and, and, and to try to have a conversation in America about racism and slavery and omit Christianity is absolutely impossible. Christians uh, historically uh, have been known to murder, um, brutalize anyone who refused to believe. This is, this is documented in our history books. So to try to separate and, and pretend that Christianity is some wonderful religion, no, no. And to try to convince me that America was founded upon the loving doctrines of Christianity, no. Mm-hmm. Christianity is dark and it is um, damaging. The doctrines are damaging. It separates humanity. It divides and it destroys. It. Um, I believe that, and this is why I love the work that Dr. Marnell Wynell is doing because she's talking a lot about religious trauma syndrome. We're talking about symptoms very similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, to have to wonder the rest of your life if when you die, you're going to burn in hell. See, for me as a black woman, I'm already, I'm already trying to discover that I'm not um, the descendants of slaves because that's what I was taught. I'm not a descendant of slaves. Mm-hmm. I'm a descendant of people who were enslaved. Mm-hmm. Not the same thing. Um, but to tell me that, uh, that America is this wonderful place founded on Christian values, no. The founding fathers were slave owners and they wrote the constitution while slavery was still legal. Mm-hmm. They did not write the constitution for me nor my ancestors. So no, all men are not created equal in America. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Christianity is linked in with all of the systemic racism that me and people like me have had to endure since the inception of this country. I, I know this past month I had the opportunity to meet Mandisa Thomas, who's the founder and the president of the Atlanta-based Black Nonbelievers organization, where they try to promote it being a safe space for Black people who are trying to live free from faith. And their their funding is challenged, their approach is challenged, and their their acceptance by the Black community is challenged and trying to really teach people about the same things that you're talking about. I, I guess my, my question is, is how do you get this message through? It, it, what is the real roadblocks that are stopping individuals in the black communities of really questioning this belief system or this doctrine that is, I don't know. I, I don't know a good well, word to use, but it, it's repressing well, them. <laughs> well, so cognitive dissonance is one problem. Mm-hmm. So again, when you've, and most black people, I'm not going to generalize and say all, because I don't have the statistics. Um, most black people in America, at least in the Western world where I'm from, we've been hearing these things since birth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, as a as a you you understand the brain and, and neurology. So before your before the brain is fully developed, it's very very easy. The first eight years of a child's life, you can pretty much control them and get them to believe whatever narrative you want them to believe. It's very so malleable. Is that, yeah, yeah. So the problem is we're, we're fighting against the brain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're mm-hmm. fighting against brain. So what I'm doing is I'm really not trying to convince Christians to change their minds because it's not going to happen because, because their brain is not going to let it be changed. You see what I'm saying? So, my target audience is people who are who are ready to leave. Mm-hmm. So I gave up trying to convince Christians to change their minds because they can't. They, I mean, they literally can't because once a belief gets embedded in your memory, even if you present them with evidence and facts and truth, the brain is going to start sending off all kinds of signals to the emotional part of the brain and they're going to get into fight and flight mode and they're, they're just going to create something to justify what they believe because they don't know how to deal with it or, or approach it. So yeah. for me, I don't even try to change a Christian's mind. And if I can back that up, a lot of it has to do with the brain's primary job is keeping us alive. And a lot of these doctrines you're talking about invoke feelings of fear 
and yeah, shame right. and shame, mm-hmm. especially around ideas like hell and judgment. And so exactly. those, those two primary things keep the brain in a sense of survival and safety. Exactly. And so, yeah, it has a difficult time rewiring neurons to think differently about things. You're literally indoctrinated and brainwashed to believe a certain thing. And the thinking parts of your brain shut off when you're presented with new information that challenges that because you're primarily responding to fear and shame. Exactly. And so in my community, again, I'm trying to be very, very gentle because I don't want to, I don't want people coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in my community, because of, again, because of the, the, the brainwashing, there is not this, you're not encouraged to look at things outside of what the church teaches. You're not encouraged to look at things outside of the Bible. I mean, even when I was in it, and I consider myself a reasonably intelligent person, I was educated, I had degrees, but when it came down to my spirituality, I didn't look outside of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So then in my community, People don't know the work of people like Dr. Bruce Lipton or um, even the black neuroscientists that trained me or they don't under they've never read the book, How God Changes the Brain. And so they, they don't know that these concepts even exist. They don't know there's anything called religious trauma syndrome. Mm-hmm. They, they've never heard these concepts in our community, which is why it's so difficult to have these conversations with them. Because they, so then what I am doing is I'm trying to introduce them, the people in my community, I'm trying to introduce these concepts to them to at least plant that seed with the hopes of maybe they'll just go away and just do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. Because even for me, five years ago, if you had tried to tell me that my experiences with God were coming through my brain, I would have called you demonic and crazy. Mm-hmm heard that before so they've never heard these concepts in our community and we're not encouraged to integrate science into spirituality so we stay away from those things and so for us as a black people because we've had to rely on faith for so long my ancestors had to rely on faith to survive being whipped and beaten and raped right they had to survive on, you know, um, their instinctual self, that instinctual part of the brain for so long. They couldn't read, not because they were dumb, but because they, they weren't from here. They, they didn't know English. They knew their language. So we're still functioning, I think, in that part of our brain that keeps us in that state of survival. We don't know that we have this higher part of the brain where the frontal lobes are, where you can think and process more. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to introduce these concepts. So I teach about the brain in my programs because I I need people to understand um, how they can tap into other aspects of their own brain and not just be stuck in believing what you were told to believe, because that's what's happening in my community. We were only told to believe certain things, not just in my generation, but like you said before, I'm talking about epigenetics so mm-hmm. what i believe it, it, it can be transferred you know in, in the in the sales so then people who are born 300 years later and dr joyce grier who is a she's done a wonderful work she has a wonderful book which which could be a resource um where she talks about um post-traumatic slave disorder right wow. we need to understand that we are born 300, 400 years later with that trauma in our DNA mm-hmm. at birth. When we're being carried in the womb of our mother, we have that trauma already in us. So we're repeating the same patterns that our ancestors repeated. And so what I'm trying to do, and people like me, is I'm trying to break those generational patterns, right? I'm trying to activate some new neurons in our brain so that we don't mm-hmm. continue to just repeat cycles over and over again, because that's what's going to happen until you rewire your brain. The brain is neuroplastic. Yep. So you don't have to just keep believing the same thing. And when I realized that I was like, oh, see, that's how I came out of it, Josh. 
when I studied the brain and I realized, oh, Vanessa, you're just believing these things are true because these are the only narratives you've heard your entire life. And I'm not angry with my family or anybody because they only could give me what they had to give me. Yeah, and it's what they believe too. That's what they believe. What Mm -hmm. else were they going to give me? What they have possibly given to me? You can't, you can't, my mama used to say, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Okay. So they had nothing else to give me. And so when I began to study the brain, I was like, oh my God, I see what happened. My brain basically is shut down. I'm not using it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm using the part of my brain that the subconscious part of my brain that has been programmed since birth. And I've just been playing out those same programs all my life. And once I understood that, it was really easy for me to, to detach from these doctrines and these beliefs. So what I want to do is give that information to my community and say, listen, I'm not telling you to leave Christianity. But I am challenging you to consider where you got these beliefs from. Who told you these things? Who told you you were a sinner? Who told you you would go to hell? Did you, when you were born as a baby, my five-year-old grandson who was here for a month, his, my son is an atheist. (laughs) Can you, can you believe that? (laughs) And I was his pastor. My son is an atheist. His fiance is spiritual, but she has no belief in, 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 in God or Jesus. So my grandson hears nothing about the Bible at his house. He hears nothing about God or Jesus, but he's the sweetest little boy. It's kind. He's compassionate. I love you so much, Gigi. He kisses me all the time. He loves everybody. Where did he get that from? He has no concept right now of God or hell or the devil or Jesus. None of those things are in his vocabulary. None of those things are in his awareness. How does he know to just be gentle and kind Mm -hmm. and curious? You see, these thoughts are put in us, in our psyche, before we have a chance to decide if I want to believe that or not. And what I'm saying to people is, if you had never had this information transferred into your psyche, would you walk around talking about hell? Would you walk around talking about a devil? If I were to say to my grandson, the devil's going to get you, he would think I was crazy. (laughs) Because he doesn't have an awareness of that. I might think you're crazy too, Vanessa. Well, yeah, I (laughs) I would think I'm crazy too at this point. So the entire, so what I'm challenging people to, to think about is you've been asked to accept these things on faith alone. On TikTok today, I had a lot of controversy going on because I said, if Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us, right? then I want to, there should be some physical evidence of that somewhere, some DNA. I want to know where it is, Mm -hmm. but nobody addressed that question. They just kept saying, well, you just got to have faith. So I'm saying to people, we're more than that. Mm -hmm. We are not here to be robots. We're not here to be programmed. We are not computers. We don't need somebody writing a program and then inserting it into our hardware, our brain and say, only only do this thing that's on your program. You're not permitted to think outside the program. That's not who we are. And that's what's been done to us. And so then I realized that these beliefs had fractured my life. After 50 years, I realized, oh my God, I have not even been, a, I'm, <laughs> I, I, my humanity has been attacked. I haven't been able to just enjoy being a human because mm-hmm. everything I did, Josh, was because of a fear of Jesus getting me if I didn't do it. And that was a painful realization for me to come to. Mm-hmm. All that I said, I said the hungry, I clothed the naked, I gave people money, I gave people clothes, I did all these things. And I'm a kind person, I would do those things anyway. But at that time, I did those things because if I didn't, I was going to be judged for yeah, that. You weren't living the real Christian life. Exactly. You, and so, yeah. As you say, one one thing I, I I know we're starting to run out of time, but I really want to dive into this a little bit because, like you, I I'm an individual that if you present me with information or knowledge, oh man, I eat that up and I and I change the trajectory that I go based on new evidence being presented in front of me. That works really well for me. But I do think that there's an aspect of individuals needing to be 
put into new environments and having new experiences outside of knowledge being delivered in order to really shift that lens that they see the world through. And you've talked a lot about the knowledge that you acquire that really made you take a step back and go, wait, the brain works like this, or this is what we know to be true. This is what science tells me. Were there other experiences you had where you shifted your environment completely, moved somewhere else, went somewhere else, seen something else, or an experience that you had where you're like, this is the shit that I saw in church and I'm feeling that same euphoric high here, or I'm seeing the same, having the same emotions or feelings here in this experience I didn't have before. And how powerful was that in comparison to the knowledge that you were, be, that you were receiving? Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, most of my time has been online because I work from home. Um, when I left Christianity, um, of course I took to the internet cause I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? Who am I going to, I had, I had nobody outside of my, my inner circle. And I met these amazing people. They just, they just, they just drew to me on Facebook. They just came. So I ended up <laughs> being like best friends with atheists and witches, um, pagans and all kind of, all kind of strange people that I would have threw in hell five years ago. Right. Um, and the same exact experiences that I had in church when I started to meditate, um, I felt like I would, was in the presence of something greater than myself. Right. When I would do tarot readings, I felt like, information was being downloaded to me from a higher realm, just like when mm -hmm. I would pray mm -hmm. or when I would preach or when I would prophesy that same feeling when I would speak in tongues, because mm -hmm. I was tongue talking Pentecostal. I mean, that's that, so I felt, and this is what I try to tell people. Like it dawned on me. Oh, semantics is the only thing that's dividing us. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, some people call it Reiki. Some people call it, the anointing some people call it the holy spirit some people call it the higher self but at the end of the day what i found out was that all of these experiences are subjective as they may be we're all having the same experiences mm -hmm. but depending on what part of the world you're in or depending on who has influenced your thinking you're going to articulate those experiences a certain way and, and so, yes, I, I was I was blown away when I because uh, I, I became a Reiki master. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. I was laying hands on people in the church. Honestly, I would keep I would touch all of this, the chakras in the church. I didn't know to call it that then. I remember laying hands on people's third eye all the time <laughs> in the church. It's the same. It's the same concept as Reiki energy. Right. So I. Uh, I realized that, yeah, we are just divided by uh, vernacular and vocabulary and semantics. There is no separation. We're all connected to the same thing, whether you call it Jesus or whether you call it Buddha or who, whatever you call it. I think what all of us are trying to say, especially those of us who are, who are still in the spiritual space, I think we're all trying to acknowledge I feel a connection to something greater than myself. I, I'm not exactly sure what that is. And maybe I don't have empirical evidence to prove that it even exists. But I, but there's something that lets me know that, that, that there's more. And I wish, and this is why I do the work that I do, that we would stop trying to, in a religion, try to uh, usurp authority over other people's beliefs. Mm -hmm. I don't think religion needs a place in politics. I don't think religion needs to, um, I don't think any religion should be branded as the only way. I think it should be a very personal decision that each individual makes. So my problem is we've allowed Christianity to become this monster in the Western world. And I think the things that it teaches um, are harmful. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I've had incredible experiences and, and, and people are going to try to say, well, that was the devil. But again, what kind of God would allow the devil to duplicate the results? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not logical to me. That's not reasonable. That's not rational to me. So um, for me, yes, I, I'm going to still, you know, 
practice spirituality mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to use my gifts to heal humanity. I, I'm going to still use those gifts that I use in the church because the, the church didn't give those gifts to me. I incarnated onto the planet with this love for people in my heart and nobody's going to take that from me. I love people and I love seeing people set free. And I love that when I was in the church and I love that now. I support every part of that message. And we talked beforehand too. I still pursue spirituality too. And it's funny that oftentimes I get identified as being an atheist because of me being outspoken against organized religion and its impact on us as a people. But all the things you said is where I'm at a hundred percent. It just doesn't need to be the one way dictated belief system that's forced on individuals and trying to make them essentially into a, a working horse for society. I don't know the best way of wording it, but it's just, it's very frustrating to see that people are not allowed to pursue spirituality in a way that's meaningful for them. Because I do think a lot of times Christianity puts a stopping block in front of people from really becoming as spiritual as they possibly can be. And it's terrifying. It does. does. (laughs) And I see the the pain. (laughs) It is terrifying. And and it's the, it's, it's this belief that there is nothing good in me. I mean, we, there's scriptures that say that, that allude to the fact that I'm this unworthy, unrighteous, miserable person that God cannot even be in my presence unless he sees a bloody Jesus in front of me. Mm-hmm. That is horrific. Talk about demonic, <laughs> you know? So then I think, I don't think Christianity understands. I hope it does. And I hope it's not deliberate how this is absolutely impeding upon like self-discovery and self-love and self-worth mm-hmm. and what we're actually full of doing. I think most people don't realize that they're capable of so much more but because Christianity keeps purporting this idea of unworthiness, we sing songs about our unworthiness. Mm-hmm. We worship God and hope that he will make us feel worthy. You know, uh, I, I preached so many sermons about how unworthy we were, you know, and so I don't think people realize how these beliefs are getting into, again, our psyche. And we are living out what we believe about ourselves. So if I think I'm unworthy, I'm not going to go and even try to better my life. I'm just going to sit in church and just wait for the rapture. And maybe I'll get my, and this is, this is what I want people of color to understand. You were taught this centuries ago and it's still with us today. Jesus wants you to suffer while you're here on the earth, but don't worry when you die, you're going to be in heaven and then you'll get your crown. It's my hope. Yeah, it's very problematic. And it's my hope that that cycle can be broken. And I love what you're doing in terms of spreading the message, getting knowledge out there. And I also encourage people just go out and have experiences and go to other environments, put yourself in places that you normally wouldn't go and go into it with an open mind and see how it shapes you. Um, I I think you will be shocked. I'm like, go to another country and just Follow Buddhism for a while. Follow Hinduism for a while. Go to some remote village. Go on a retreat somewhere with a group of pagans and just experience it and see what it's like. And I imagine you're going to learn more than you ever could sitting in a church reading a book. I promise you they will. Because I found (laughs) out those people that I demonize have been the nicest. You know where my support came from and then I'll stop. You know, my support in, in these last three years, it has come from... Um, the very people that I demonized as a Christian, you know, it is, it's been the witches who have called me and said, Vanessa, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It has been the atheists who have said, Vanessa, you're a beautiful soul. You're a beautiful person. It's been those people who have supported me and have carried me when I thought I was going to go into an absolute place of darkness and depression. It was those people who literally would call me on the phone and say, you're going to be okay. And I kept waiting for some pointed eared witch to come out and be like, you know, <laughs> we're going to drag you in the woods and we're going to cut you up into a million pieces. Doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proof that when you make assumptions about other people, you limit yourself. 
And that's what I did. And I'm so glad that I can now have conversations with people in the LGBTQ community. They love me. Those people are some of the kindest mm -hmm. people I've ever met. So all the people that I was brainwashed to believe were enemies of God have been the kindest people to me mm -hmm. uh, since 2019 when I locked the doors of my church. Well, before we end, Vanessa, any final thoughts and also where can people find you? I think the final thought is, is for anyone who is considering leaving their religion, um, there's nothing to fear. Uh, I want to encourage you to trust yourself. I know we were taught not to, but I absolutely want you to trust your own self, trust your intuition um, and go on the journey. Because if, if God is who or what you believed it to be, it'll hold up to the scrutiny. Um, find a community of people because this is something that I didn't have initially, but there are people out there who are on this journey with us. So I think community is important, a safe space to deconstruct or to just consider. Um, I'm online a lot. <laughs> uh, Facebook, it's Vanessa R. Brooks is my Facebook. Uh, I have a group called Mystic Spirituality on Facebook. We have a good time over there doing all kinds of stuff at the church that we can't do. <laughs> and I've recently come to TikTok in the last three months and we're having a fantastic time on TikTok over there. It's life after church. You're growing so fast on TikTok too. It's growing fast. I'm almost at 10,000 followers on TikTok. So I'm excited about that. That is amazing. Well, it's been wonderful having you here with us, Vanessa. Um, I'm sure that we'll have to bring you back on and have another conversation because I could probably talk to you all day. Um, yep. <laughs> as for everyone else, thanks again for hanging out on Gods of Tomorrow. Please go out and be the best version of yourselves, and we'll see you all next time. Mm -hmm.